Political Unmuted is a weekly politics show based in the northeast of England. The audience chooses the topics and we discuss them. So enjoy Political Unmuted. And hello and welcome everybody to the 54th edition of Political Unmuted. Amazing, isn't it? Um, we've had a week off um, for the tennis and the football, and uh, but we're back and we're ready to go. And uh, my golly, what a, what a show we've got for you tonight. As for myself, my moment of the week, I ran apparently in the 3.45 at Beverly this afternoon. Um, the uh, John Clare came seventh, so there you go. Even even worse than my election results. Um, let's um, welcome the uh, the team. New new team member Mark Lungley. Hello, sir. Hi there, John. And uh, tell us something about yourself so we know who you are, Mark. Okay, well I'm Mark Lungley. Um, most people know me from the Black Country, but like. Like certain other socialist republics, they like to send people out. I'm currently just over the border in in South Staffordshire and have been just re-elected as the uh, Comsec and uh, Political Education Secretary as of about an hour ago for South Staff CLP. And also I'm one of the team that's going to be bringing socialist think tank West Midlands, which is going to be fun, which is not just going to be the black country. It's going to be Birmingham, Staffordshire and also, of course, Coventry as well. And you're going to be having a kind of political unmuted West Midlands, uh, I understand. Hopefully, that is going to be the last piece of the puzzle. Which, uh, just sort of, it's so important that we don't just sort of talk globally, but that we get our roots down into the community and show that socialism matters um, sort of to ordinary people are doing ordinary things on ordinary councils. Um, uh, what, just tell us about your role as um, uh, political education officer for, for the CLP. Um, I mean, what do you see that as being to do? I think that one of the things is, it's something that the Labour Party, I think, has always been not been that good about, is telling what we actually stand for, the basics of socialism. And I mean, this is why I love being part of the, this this organisation. I love being able to, normally when I'm typing away with my dyslexic rambling, so thanks, Paul, for, this, for, for being able to translate them sometimes, because I'm trying to, often I'm talking about the last topic when you've moved on. But... Um, you know, it's it's trying. What is socialism? It, we need to be talking about this, how it works, that it's not just free stuff. And I, I think that we do need to do that. And I, you know, we sort of like people join the Labour Party and they get a welcome to the COP. Here, this is what you do here if you're lucky, and that's it. And I don't think there should be. I think there needs to be more. But how many political education secretaries are just in name only? I agree. Absolutely right that we should get discussing and we should get learning. Um, a whole load of Labour Party members who don't have a clue what the Labour Party stands for or, or Labour Party rules even. Right, um, a number of comments about what socialism is as well. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. And um, uh, I noticed you come from Bradford, Neil. Neil Terry, me too. All the best people come out of Bradford. Uh, let's say hello to everybody else. Um, to the boss, um, our hero, Paul Daly, um, <laughs> who abandoned us, didn't you, last week? Come on, yeah. Ad, uh, fess up. Yeah, I was on centre court last week, so it was pretty nice. 
pretty, mm-hmm. had a pretty nice time. You watched the women, not the the men. I, I saw one one men's match that was finishing off from the day before. Uh, Medvedev and um, Hercots Her- is he Another And then uh, and then yeah, I saw I saw the eventual champion Ash Barty play, and then I saw. Um, Another woman's game, which was uh, Sabalenka, and then I saw the doubles as well, which was really good uh, with uh, Coco Goff as well. So it was really good, brilliant day. So did you go to work the next day? Yeah. So what yeah. time did you get back home? Uh, two o'clock. It's all right. I've I've done, I've, I've been in a lot later than that and gone to work in my in my youth. <laughs> I used to we used to do we used to do gigs in London that finished at like two in the morning and then drive back through the night and and uh, yeah so yeah um, anyway uh, you enjoyed it it was brilliant yeah yes sort of um, my wife went to, to to Wimbledon one year she was uh, the experience of a lifetime for her um, Sam hello welcome. Um, oh, I'm just getting really stuck into all these comments. Look at all these comments. Oh, my gosh. I know, I know, I know. Um, They've missed us. Sort of, sort of we'll be coming back to you for the second hour um, and just saying hello. to and, and hello, Stuart. Oh, Stuart seems to have frozen. Is there, Stuart? Hello? He is, he is there. Oh, he's just gone slow. He's going very, very slow. Right. Okay. Well, I won't. I won't ask him what his moment of the week is yet. <laughs> we don't have a week for him to catch up. <laughs> so, um, Paul, what was your moment of the week? Uh, do you want the little jingle first, or shall we just go? Oh no. Tell that we've had a week off. Paul, moment of the week. Um, my moment of the week's got to be the the. It's it's not the football, but it's the reaction to the football. And I think what we've seen is a real clear divide in line between where people stand in the nation. We've had some people who are incredibly proud of the of the people, regardless of like their their background. And you know, um, football can be a very divisive thing, but for a lot of people, it was very inclusive. But we've seen that divisiveness as well. We've seen the racist abuse of players. But we've also seen, like, I think uh, Tyrone Mings has been promoted to, um, he must be Chancellor of the, ex- uh, if, sorry, the Shadow Chancellor if uh, Marcus Rashford's the leader of the opposition. Because um, because his tweet today, like yesterday was absolutely brilliant when Pretty Patel said she's disgusted that England players that have given so much to our country have been subject, subject to vile racist abuse on social media. And he said, you don't get to stoke the fire at the beginning of the tournament by labelling our anti-racism message as gesture politics, then pretend to be disgusted when the very thing we're campaigning against happens. And I just think it's absolutely amazing to see these uh, these young men who really seem to have a, a moral compass as well as uh, football ability. Um, so they've absolutely amazed me. And if only our leaders showed the kind of leadership and respect and dignity that those those young men have done and that so many young people in this country do all the time then maybe maybe we wouldn't be seeing scenes where people break into a stadium kick people's heads in spew up over a shop like just piss everywhere 
in the middle of London. You know, it was it's that massive contrast of these people who really hate the taking of the knee don't seem very proud of the country at all. And this was a Jonathan Pye video, which is well worth watching. They don't seem to have any pride in their nation at all. And yet these people inspire people to be proud of them and proud that a country can create such uh, inspirational figures. So that's the massive contrast there. And that's my moment of the week. I mean, I can remember everybody um, laughing at me when I was going on about sort of racist scum who refused to take the knee. And and, and for me, the, what was going on uh, after that match really showed that I was damn right. And it, it, it is, it, there's a war between good and evil going on. And, um, and, and it's so, it's so critical. Love your point about um, uh, being proud about your nation um, and, 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 and how we represent our nation. Um, Sam, do you think we, I mean, UEFA is going to punish us for what we've been doing. Do you think UEFA is correct? Or will you punish us more? Uh, absolutely. I mean, what we've got to remember is that it was only a week or so ago we were listening to the absolutely harrowing accounts from the attack in, in Manchester at the Ariana Grande concert, where they talked about uh, in, ineffective security, uh, po poorly trained staff, um, uh, and we should not have a, a major football game in, in the UK fans being able to break in just by apparently pushing against a door you know it's not acceptable you know i'm not a royalist but the the heir to the throne was there you know we should have had slightly better security uh, for everybody's security and for our national security it's a bit of a disgrace really so the sutherland were we were we robbed uh in which way? I mean, we we lost the game of football, but you know the 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 team we've got is probably the the best you know team we've ever had. You know, there's real hope for the future, not just in football, but in the kind of socially conscious people that we want to, to bring into the world. And um, a, a big sort of rising support for them as well. Um, because yeah. of what happened after the vote. Finally, Mark, is this a nadir or a turning point? Do you think? I think it's. I think it's a, to probably classed as a turning point. I mean, we're often told that there's this moral majority that like to that you know a, a right wing, but now we're seeing that there isn't. And I mean, it's it was very interesting to see them, and, and I think that we have to to congratulate uh, Gareth 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 Southgate because he has been. An, an English gentleman, in my opinion, the way he has led from the front, and as certainly as as uh, as Gary Neville said, has shown more leadership than the politicians. And I, I love that there were so many tweets coming out about the guys and saying um, that, that about all these politicians that have been saying about practice football, not politics. Well, if you do the politics properly, they wouldn't have to. Yes. Uh, but also the kind of the, the arrogance that um, uh, sort of relegates uh, these ball kickers to sort of a low, you just get on and kick your ball about that, you're sort of not, not fit to have political opinions. Go 
cost a fit to have a pit just as much as anybody else in this country, including the politicians. Um, a sort of a really interesting turn of events. It'd be interesting to see how it works out over the long term. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> somebody being very rude about my, my chairing abilities. It's a weird, I've had a week off. I've had a, I've had a week off. Here we go. Um, now it's time for the big story. The big story, um, as chosen by uh, listeners in the poll, um, was the quote jaw dropping fall in life expectancy in poor areas during the COVID uh, um, uh, epidemic. And um, it's the Marmot report. Um, Stuart, tell us about it all and, and then give us your views on it. Uh, quite, quite simply, uh, the Marmot report came out uh, and it shows that there's huge uh, health inequalities, meaning that if, you, if you're just an average poor person in Britain, uh, you're much, much more likely to die of COVID and you also have a much shorter life expectancy. Uh, the, the figures are, you know, crazy. You wouldn't imagine the levels, but mo most people in within the Greater Manchester area, according to this, won't, won't see a pension. And it's getting worse day by day. That's, that's really staggering stuff. Uh, so Michael Marmot is, is, the, is he the director of the Institute for Health Equality. Yes. Right. So it's, it's like, it's a pretty like big, serious report that's uh, been dropped on the government's doorstep. Uh, it's now up to the government to kind of back up the, the level up uh, promises they made, because if we're dying younger and younger and younger, and we're at risk uh, viruses at a higher rate because simply because we're, we're poor, uh, something needs to be done, and it needs to be done pretty uh, sharpish. The, the report was very critical of the government's levelling up measures. Um, and it, it, it wanted much more money spending on people and much less money spending on things. Um, I mean, what's your comment on that, Stuart? I, I think that's wholly accurate. Uh, I mean, we, we haven't seen a great deal of spending per se, but the, the kind of things that people need to stay healthy and to, to tackle the, the kind of inequalities that we have in life expectancy, these are very simple things. These are, you know, access to food. These are access to healthy food, you know, at reasonable prices. These are access to, to exercise and, you know, being able to, to get medicine, you know, very simple things that you would, you know, when you're thinking about countries uh, the other side of the world, talking about a, a foreign aid budget, these are things that we're not getting right at home. That, that's staggering. Uh, Mark, um, is this just something that's um, cropped up during uh, COVID? Is it just a COVID-related problem. Um, the, the report suggested that it's much more deep-rooted and uh, historic than that. What's, what's, sort of, what's your opinion about this? Did, will it go away when COVID goes away? I don't think it will, to be fair. I mean, there's always been 
in uh, like as 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 we go up the country so from from down south up through through us in the midlands up to you life expectancy seems to drop and in some isn't it in some parts of of glasgow there are parts where they some of them will only reach 50 50 you know 60s and so but it, it is just the thing it is about quality of life we've we saw a massive jump in our, in our life when uh, we got the nhs and as we've seen the nhs step back which is what is going to happen with these bills that they're bringing in it's bound to happen the more stress that people are having to put be put under the life expectancy is just going to go down and down until we really hopefully somebody soon will work out that the life expectancy thing sorry not life expectancy the leveling up thing is just like trickle down economics it's just a a nice phrase it do they're not leveling up they're not leveling up at all sam um the um uh, the report also suggests that we should place a lot more emphasis that it should place of, of, of the leveling up should be placed on uh, children and young people. Um, I mean, is this, or should we be spending it on working age people or even, dare I say, um, older people who were dying in much greater numbers during the COVID epidemic? Is this a good idea? Well, what we know is if we can get if we can instill healthy lifestyles younger and that early not to five age is really crucial for um, setting a trajectory for a child's life. So I do think it's right to invest in that particular age group in particular. Um, but I want to just quickly go back to your uh, your point about spending money on people and not things. You know, as you know, in County Durham, our bid to the Level and Up Fund uh, consists of fixing a bridge, building some psychopaths and making half a bypass. Now, I don't see how that levels up our uh, deep-seated <laughs> inequalities that, that we experience in County Durham, but apparently that's what it's for. So I just think whoever's writing the criteria doesn't understand what levelling up means. I mean, I, I, th th this is why I asked the question, because you're absolutely correct. The government... Um, the the leveling up money that the government is um, putting in is, it, as Mark says, it is really just trickled down in, um, in in action. And the idea is is that it should be spent upon things, upon things like bridges and um, and, and and bypasses, and then that money will go into the economy, and the economy will get going, and then we'll all become wealthier, and sort of all our social problems will go away. That's the idea behind it. Uh, sort of, um, and 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 the alternative, uh, which if you've got to be so careful that you don't go down the alternative road, which I think is just um, giving people money to, to try uh, as a sticking plaster over their current problems, hmm. uh, and and sort of so as soon as you stop giving them money. Um, it goes. It gets. It's, it's just as bad as it ever was. There has to be some kind of way we can find to to direct the money so it will accomplish real systemic change. Surely that's it. And 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 I don't. I don't think that the government has a clue. I don't think building a bypass is going to do this automatically. Trickle that doesn't work. But um, sort of equally, um, just throwing money at social experiments has that not been seen to have failed? 
Well, I don't think so. The the recent report into what's going wrong in in the um, social care system of, of the adoption and the taking the kids away from the the parent system, the social workers and all that did say that actually what we were doing with Sure Start worked, getting early help involved with families worked, inter intervening in families in a soft way before you had to go in with the, you know, the big guns worked and it helped families stay together. So, and I think it's those, like I said, early childhood experiences that really shape people and, and affect things like mental health uh, throughout the whole life. Thank you. Um Paul, um, sort of, is this not just somebody mentioned that the, the uh, in in the chat that they ignored him before? They're going to ignore him again. Is this just are these not voices in the wilderness um, uh, shouting at a government which does not care? Or have you any hope? I mean, uh, Andy Burnham was weighing in on this one, saying we've got to build on these ideas. Is there any hope that this will accomplish some kind of change? Well, I'm the kind of person who is boring enough to sit and read a government report. And I read, like, it's slightly off topic, but I read the higher education one. Um, and what it had, it had all sorts of, like in the body of it, which was the justification for what the government was asking. Everything in there, all the evidence suggested that the the, the, the con their conclusion was wrong. Everything was like kind of you. You're reading this thing. You're like, okay, I agree with this. I agree with this. I agree with this. And then the end, and the government are like, so we're going to do the opposite. And that's where we are at the moment with this government. They will simply just do things, and that, and that's what they do. They'll say they're doing things for people's benefit. But you were talking there about like when I, I don't necessarily agree that they should stop infrastructure projects. For example, what we need to do is make sure that when you invest in infrastructure that money really gets to the people who work in the country rather than trickling up to the billionaires rather than like paying for these contracts that end up in um in offshore accounts that is where we are as a nation that is where we are as a world at the moment you know we've seen the investment that's come in through covid and all the investment has ended up with like with billionaires increasing the wealth so government invests allegedly in the people and that money trickles up so that needs to be stopped so if the government are going to invest in infrastructure projects that needs to be highly paid high like that highly valued jobs for people and then that money does stay in the economy but if it's for shareholders if it's for people who are taking it outside then no that is not a good idea so i think you know we've got a, a huge huge issue here that is massive and systemic and worldwide the other thing I'd like to bring up as well is um, there's a video that will be going up on the Socialist Educational Association Northeast's page on YouTube soon. Um, we did a meeting on, on Saturday. I just haven't had time to edit it yet. But there was a statistic in there where it said, if you're a man in Stockton, you have the same life expectancy as a man in Ethiopia. Now, that man in Ethiopia will have lived through a famine. You know, like that terrible, terrible famine in the early 90s. How terrifying is that? A man in Stockton has the same life expectancy as a man in Ethiopia. Now that is frightening, and and hopefully, like the, both of those living, uh, th those life expectancies will go up over time. But I really don't see any hope for for the UK at the moment. 
I'm really worried about the direction things are going. This is not just COVID. Life expectancy was creeping down for a long time. And we've been talking about it it's since austerity, actually. Um, and I think, let's look at the royal family, for example. They all lived to the 90, 100. Like Prince Philip nearly lived to his 100 because he was well-treated, well-fed, and he had a pretty easy job, yeah? He might have worked hard, but his job wasn't taking his life away from him. But working-class people, their job does detract from their life. You know, the... Um, you know, people when they retire don't live for very long because they've had a hard job. They've they've done difficult jobs, and you know they've maybe not had the right diet and stuff. But I think it's a lot to do with work as well. So we need to have a look at the way our society goes. But that statistic in particular was terrifying. I did mention this on Saturday's show, so some people may have already heard that. Um, I can't believe I didn't mention Jeremy Corbyn coming on the show as moment of the week because that was a pretty big deal. But you know, but <laughs> not to say that. Um, people with white beards um, that you're the second best one John because uh, we know that you're the best person with a white beard on Socialist Think Tank but anyway uh, sorry I'm, I'm digressing but there... I, I think that sort of <laughs> I, I'm amazed you didn't mention Jeremy Corbyn mm. as your moment of the week because, because people um... are more important normal people are, are more important which Jeremy Corbyn actually said himself the other day which was really nice um, so God bless you. Thank you. Um, Stuart, would you like to sum up for us? I mean, sort of ultimately, is this report um, the, the, the beginning of change or yet another voice in the wilderness? Oh, Stuart's on another go slow, I think. Uh, I can't imagine it being any different. We've got a government who won't take on. Uh, no, you're back. You're fine. Am I back? Yeah, you're fine. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, we, we've got a government who basically won't take on any credible evidence. You know, they don't listen to experts, not interested in facts. So give, giving them a, a, a report based on real life experiences and facts and figures is going to do nothing for this government. They'll do nothing for us. What's your Unite Community event about tomorrow, Stuart? Is, is, uh, is this what that's about? Well, part of it, yeah, because it's all, it's all the same problem, isn't it? Uh, United Community is having a, a day of action tomorrow regarding uh, the universal uh, uplift, the £20 that's uh, part of the universal credit. Uh, well, Boris has said that he's going to take that away. You know, without question, and that's a, that's a huge cut for people. So a, a, a cancel the cut because uh, the time frame on that campaign has moved up significantly since Boris said that he would be ending it as soon as possible. Uh, I mean, I think that's going to be the, uh, an economic disaster for the northeast. Um, right. Okay. Um, uh, just, just I'm going to. I, I, I've, I've realised that, that I've forgotten um, to, the, to ask Sam and Mark their moments of the week as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to go because I got over excited about the football. Um, I'm going to go back and, and we'll just take we'll just take um, a few minutes to to ask um, Sam. What was your moment of the week? I'm so sorry. It was um, you know I mean I've, I've deprived you of your moment of the week. It's okay. I was going to take a, a 
broadly football adjacent one as well um, and just the absolute uh, hilarity which was all of the schools deciding what they were going to do for Monday morning I thought it was, it was brilliant <laughs> and all the parents reacting to my kid can go in at half ten but I've got to go to work at half seven and I, I do want my child to go in late I don't want my child to go in late I'm happy my school is letting them in late I'm not happy <laughs> just very funny to watch um not not the best way to to manage school uh start and end times during a pandemic when everybody's supposed to be in bubbles to just allow people to arrive whenever they want <laughs> i suppose that's true um when i was a teacher i always gave people snow days whenever possible um i think one of the great experiences of school is the odd occasions when you when you get let off and it's a major part of, 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 of your school life. Mark, what was your moment of the week? My moment of the week, it's kind of the start of a moment of the week, really. Um, obviously, on Sunday, we had the football. I had to start work at 8 o'clock on Monday, but there we go. Um, but it, it was also on Sunday, we saw the first flight of uh, commercial flight of Virgin Galactic, okay, uh, which is obviously Dickie Branson with his little planes. It hasn't gone into space properly because the Kármán line, which is where space properly begins, is a is a hundred kilometres up. But his he that, that his plane went up to eighty, which is something in America, but which we won't go into that. But what I think is, I think it's something that we now need to really start thinking of as socialists. We are now seeing the start of the commercial space race and how that happens to how the global south could be left behind. People who aren't rich, you know, it's it, a ticket on, on this and also the new Shepard uh, rocket, which is what Jeff Bezos's project is, will cost around a quarter of a million dollars. And how many people want that? They're going to be able to afford that for a 90 minute ride. And then there's all the stuff with SpaceX. And I do think it's something that um, we should start talking about, because if we're not there in the conversation, the right can then can then you know can can then can dominate especially with commercial space which is going to become a going to become a major thing soon especially when you think about mining on an asteroids etc i could carry on for for the whole show but i'm going to going to shut up there but there's a lot of things that we now need to think about um is um all this um space hopping is it not a climatic disaster Mark. The space hop depends on what you think because now with with a lot of the the things now are reusable. There's a great video if I can find it and not not blast it out in, in, in over here. There's a great video from somebody called Tim Dodd, and it's worked out that the average per per astronaut it's just a little bit more when you consider about the reusability than than air than than uh, than actual um, airline travel when you consider what is reused, especially with SpaceX and virtually everybody now, even even the Russians are now trying to reuse rockets and so getting them to land, which was meant to be impossible about 15 years ago. People are doing it. Don't you find it strange, everybody? I mean, I'm talking to the, the listeners now that so we're talking here about a space age where people will go up in rockets and, and, and mine asteroids and come back, science fiction come to life. And we're talking about people um, dying uh, sort of in, in poverty 
in Stockton, do you not find the 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 the, the contrast alarming? John, um, it's not just people. It's not just people. What they will be doing is sending out robots to do this mining. You send the, the robot onto an asteroid, and it will then dock, land on the asteroid, and then it will go around on its orbit. And when it comes close to the Earth, they'll just send back all the the minerals and what have you it'll be good for the electronic electronic car industry and things like that but it won't it'll be part of what will, what will help with the fourth industrial age and making human labor obsolete yes and uh, that we all we've seen the films mark they'll become self-sentient while they're on that asteroid and then they'll come back and eliminate human beings. That's 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 the future. Um, okay. Um, right. Uh, other questions. You got to prepare me for that one, John. Fabulous comments. I sort of I, I have to concentrate on 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 my guests, uh, listeners. But my golly, every now and again, I get a little glimpse at your comments, and they're just fantastic. Sam will catch them all up later. Right, we have three other questions, and we have twenty-five minutes. So everybody, um, I've told everybody they've got to be very, very self-disciplined. Samantha, um, we've got a guilty plea to the murder of Sarah Everard. Um, and a huge kind of um, outrage at the time. Has anything come of it? Well, I, I think myself and a lot of uh, women had great joy in being able to say out loud that Wayne Cousins is a piece of shit, right? Because we weren't even allowed to say that. We weren't even allowed to say that a woman was murdered by a police officer because it was all like, oh, you've got to say alleged. You can't say his name. Let's not, oh, all police officers aren't bad people. This is a man who was known, he was nicknamed the rapist. And he casually went to a, a B&Q and bought Kit to murder a woman. He went out intentionally and found a woman he didn't know and killed her, right? And, and the women who gathered in her name to grieve were beaten up by the police. It's, it's just a, a monumental state um gaslighting the the type of which we haven't seen in a very long time and at the same time we're told oh this is all for your protection mind there's a virus out there but there's rugby people and football people dancing practically licking each other right looking licking each other's eyeballs and they can just crack on but no you can't have a group of women standing together mourning not just for Sarah Everard, because we all know women who have been abused. Most of us are women who have been abused. And and this has just got to stop. <laughs> Believe women. <laughs> um, uh, but the point, my, my question was, is anything being done? I mean, what I've got here is an end, an end to rape review, which basically makes no recommendations whatsoever. Operation Soteria, which suggests 
that instead of concentrating on the credibility of the claimant, we look at the actions of the of, of the accused. Um, uh, sort of, um, we've got massive increases in domestic violence during the UEFA tournament, absolutely off the scale. I mean, it has not the has the the thing not got worse after it, despite everything, it's it, it's just got worse. You you must be in despair, surely. Well, I am in despair because it doesn't ever seem to get better. You know, Me Too was supposed to be a moment that made things better and things are still not right. It's going to take a very, very long time. And unfortunately, we need leadership in our country, which helps make it not okay. At the moment, we're still being berated by uh, the ruling party for saying really controversial things like rape has basically been decriminalised in this country when rape has basically been decriminalised in this country. You know, we're not allowed to state facts anymore because it doesn't go, uh, it doesn't tally along with the uh, state sanctioned truth. So unless we get rid of that and face up to the real uh, problems we've got and the fact that it does stem from deeply entrenched misogyny where women are not believed and they are treated like objects in our society then we've got a long way to go i mean there's a double whammy here isn't there there's institutionalized misogyny but there's also the kind of um appalling way that society views and treats women from from the classroom onwards sort of um I mean, the police have basically said that uh, it is, the solution is beyond them. What kind of things do you think the solution therefore involves? I mean, the, the solution is obviously not beyond the police. I mean, the stories of this particular man um, being being caught doing indecent ex exposure. Uh, like I said, he was he was known to be a creepy, like pervy guy. That's what people describe him as. So I think if they can't see it when it's that blatantly in front of their eyes, then they need to shape up, really. They are the, you know, <laughs> if anybody's got that level of intelligence about people's behaviour, then it's got to be the police, hasn't it? But no, it is a deeply, it's a, it, it is a thread that goes throughout our society. We have made progress, you know. Uh, I've got a very feminist husband. <laughs> there, there are lots of feminist men out there in a way that there, there wouldn't have been 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and, and we will make progress, but we do need leadership. Uh, Mark, I, I was going to ask you a question, but I'm just going to um, throw that to one side. Jane Strange, it feels like this society has deep-rooted problems with allowing the abuse of anyone who can be vulnerable in any way. Is this um, a, a problem which is specific to women or is this a problem which is specific to vulnerability, that we're a, we're a society which takes um, uh, advantage of vulnerability? I do think that we are a society that does like to take uh, advantage of vulnerability. I think women are the major, um, the major people that that affects at the moment, and unfortunately, we for some reason for the last however many millennia, men have been on top, and 
we're coming to a time when thankfully that is slowly changing and the question is going to be how but there are other other people that get affected uh wheelchair but disabled people people take advantage of them the elderly i mean i've got lots of friends whose parents are getting to that time when they're not as um compass mentors and the number of people that try to trick them and and get money out of them yes that yeah that uh, does need to be thought of it it's just a very selfish culture be that sexually and and otherwise i, I do think though but granted there is a lot of cases of of, of women but I, I mean i know for myself when i've been cause I'm, I'm in in real life i used to shoot a lot of uh music gigs coming back on the train from Birmingham to Wolverhampton I as, as a man on my own I'd not felt safe and sometimes that even been with with groups of women who are coming back from the clubs and what have you uh you know and and I've been there with my camera bag with fairly decent cameras and Neil and I can probably talk about that more later but you know and you're just worried about your safety so i can imagine what women feel like going out alone and it's like you you hear all the things call me when you're back turning to have phone calls, walking with your key with the keys in the in the hands and trying to get make conversations with people just to feel safer if you see what I mean and pretend that that person is your friend so that the person following you doesn't. Um thank you. Um uh Stuart um I mean, we're talking about much more than making people feel safe, though, aren't we? When we're talking about violence against women, we're talking about, um, according to um, The Guardian, a, an epidemic of violence against women. I mean, sort of um, speaking as a man, um, sort of how do you feel we need to, um, uh, as Marcus said, to change this culture, to, to change things around? I mean, there's, there's no simple answer on that one, is there? But one, one thing I noticed where with the, the final of the football was the number of posts that were people were putting out uh, saying, you know, pl please don't beat up a woman because, you, you, because your football team lost, you know? And it was, it was shocking for me to, to see the, the, the level of, you know, people are basically pleading for women's lives there, you know? And what, why, why isn't the government, you know, taking a, a similar route where they, they're straight up just saying it is not right to beat women? Why, why are they skirting around the edges? Um. One of the, the things that they're talking about is a statutory duty of the police. Some really good uh, comments. Um, women are still told how to keep themselves safe rather than men being told not to attack women. Um, increasing cases of cuckooing going on in the disability world. 6% of low paid jobs are taken by women. Education is key. We have become a society of discrimination, abusers, and uncaring about our actions, and from the top down. Ah, did you sort of? And uh, we're supposed to be proud of our country, eh? Uh, Paul, um, what, what have you got to say about all this? 
Just firstly, I'd like to say like we we've got our I think it's our most gender imbalanced panel we've ever had um, tonight. But what we lack in women, we make up for in how amazing Samantha's speech was um, earlier on. That was powerful, and I absolutely loved it. And I think everyone should listen to that. Um, incredible stuff, and uh, it made me emotional actually. And I think if you listen to what Samantha said and weren't emotional, then there's something wrong with you. Um, but we did discuss this, Laura and I we were talking about like having four four men and, and one woman on the panel tonight. And we really deliberately don't do that on social think that we're quite like women led. There's a lot of the time where there's a imbalance where, where there's more women than men and so on. And we talked about it. actually now though, you know, just like the police said, Oh well, you know, this the police can't solve this problem. Sort your own house out then. Sort it out. Because it was one of your own that's done this and you've covered for him. And I know the covering for people all over the place. I know someone who has been, like, you know, in, in, in abused by her ex-husband in such an awful way who's a policeman. And, and I know this happens. This happens every day and they are covering for him. They're doing this. This is what they are doing. And people will say it's not everyone. Doesn't matter whether it's not everyone. If they're not going to speak out about abusing women, if they're not going to say, actually, you know, that rapist, the one that we call the rapist, maybe he shouldn't be in the police force. Maybe he shouldn't have that power. Maybe he should be, you know, dealt with in a different way. If you aren't, if you aren't going to say that when you know, then where's the hope? So there's four men on this panel tonight, and I know the four men on this panel will absolutely agree with me. We've got to teach our friends. We've got to teach our sons. Like, you know, if you hear something that's about violence against women, tell someone. That's disgusting. No, you know what? It's attitudes like that that get women raped, that get women murdered. You know what? Some idiot will hear what you say and they'll think, oh, actually, they're just like me. It's okay to do this. We'll go and do this. Because, you know, there's... I don't know what else we can do apart from start to back one another up. We've got to look after our communities. We've got to be looking out for each other all the time. We've got to be supporting one one another. We've got to behave. In an, we're not individuals. We're not that stupid Thatcherite idea where there's no such thing as society. There is society, and this society is favouring predators, whether that's people who earn ridiculous amounts of money and pay off their victims, or whether it's people who have some sort of little amount of power wandering around with a uniform and raping women. Because you know what? Those same police officers were the ones who did nothing about those England fans like fighting each other and stuff. Or they, or they you know, they similar similar mentality to in Glasgow when they caused all the havoc up in Glasgow. They went at that vigil and basically kicked women's heads in. In response to someone being murdered, come on, we're better than this. Um, I'll just make one comment about the imbalance on the panel, which um, has been uh, a number of people have commented it uh, on it. I don't think that this is a women's issue. I think this is very much a men's issue, and um, uh, sort of um, and Lilith's. Um, it's not a, uh, what does she say? It's not a woman's issue. It's about male propensity for control and violence. And until we realise that, we won't get anywhere with it. 
fabulous comments, everybody. Um, I'm sure Sam's making note of them. Um, I'm going to move on now because we really are um, down to two topics in 10 minutes. Um, Mark, what are the messages for Labour um, coming out of um, the survival, I won't say success, in Batley and Spain? I mean, I, I, obviously we've just had the, well, it was last week, wasn't it, the Batley in Spain uh, by election. We, we were talking about it in our AGM. And of course, everybody had written Labour off. And we, uh, thankfully, we got the victory with um, 320 odd votes, wasn't it? I can't, sorry, the numbers just. Uh, yeah, three, two, three. Very close. Now, somebody said to us, well, that's because, um, um, you know, George Galloway stood. And yes, but there are, the, the simple fact is Labour's lurch to the right is going to leave an open, open, open area. There was a, back in the, in the, uh, in the 90s, uh, Peter Mandelson said, well, the left will always vote for us. They've got nowhere to go, and 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 that's obviously something that I think that they need to realise. It's no longer the nineteen nineties. People will self-organise, and I think they have to really, if they are a broad church, think about that because the worry is if they if the nucleus is found and has has a nucleus now been found in in Batley and Spen that can only move forward because we are stuck within a, a two-party politics. I do do wonder, and I think that Keir needs to come out with policies because if you stand for nothing you, you'll fall for anything and I think that's something and he's just dropped the ball so many times and we need to he needs to improve on that um, Is Labour back Paul? No No <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's scraping a win in a formerly safe seat where something absolutely appalling happened you have the sister of the person who who was tragically murdered by another far-right predator. Let's not beat about the bush here. Um, you know, and obviously a lot of people will have that affinity and will remember that moment where that happened and, and will have that allegiance to that person. I think that person did very, very well in, in that election. Uh, and she left Labour off her leaflets, which is telling. Um, I think the Labour Party, under its current direction, are in deep in in deep trouble. Um, there isn't much inspirational going on at the moment in the Labour Party. As much as like you know, I'm the chair of of my local constituency. Um, I want to see some inspiration, and we're trying to bring it. And we're sitting there in meetings, and we're not allowed to say anything inspirational. And it's a uh, it's a really, really, really Difficult time, but you, I've already said this before, I don't think necessarily the answer is in Westminster politics and I'm starting to believe that the Labour Party in its current incarnation is there to stop any progress being made and just as a buffer. You know, that's the way they're behaving at the moment, as a buffer to make sure nothing actually does change. And if the Labour Party do happen to fall into power by accident, then it will be um, in order to keep things going as they are. Maybe rejoin Europe or something. I think that's it. But that's not what people want. People want systemic change, and that's what um, I'll be campaigning on. Um, uh, so, by the way, um, it's not true that nothing inspirational is ever said at the CLP. When you got Paul Daly as your chair, that, 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 you got lots of inspirational things. So. Um, Sam, um, 
Starmer saying that Leadbitter is the future for Labour. Well, I'm happy to hear that, and I hope that it means that our new selection of Labour candidates is going to come from the communities in which they want to serve. Because I think if we make the mistake of parachuting another another raft of Oxbridge-educated friends of the party into places like Bishop Auckland and Sedgefield, we will find very quickly that we can't get them elected because people won't stand for it anymore. The role of a MP has changed in the last 15, 20 years. People want a local champion who supports them, who knows where their kids go to school, who 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 knows the streets and knows the issues. Thank you. Stuart, um, last thing, um, what was said was whoever won, uh, Starmer suggested that it was a turning point, a tipping point against divisive politics. Did you see that in the result? I didn't see it in the result. I saw it in the candidate. I mean, the candidate was phenomenal. Uh, how she got the job is questionable. Uh, is it repeatable? Are we going to have 650 Kims? I don't, I don't think we are if we're going about it the way the party currently is. The... Um... Yeah, thank you very much for those comments. Um, I think the general feeling of the panel is is that it wasn't quite a, the, the the wonderful result that um, it was made out to be. We've got a lot of work to do. Last uh, five minutes, Paul. Um, should we boycott the Winter Olympics? China? Should we should we boycott China? The EU's made a non-binding agreement that they're going to do so. What do you think? Um, right. So I, I do agree with cultural boycotts of, of states that do human rights abuses. Like, so there's a fella just be just behind me here, Nelson Mandela, who was described as a terrorist under like, you know, by Thatcher. David Cameron was in a little group where they like wanted to hang him and, and, and what have you, you know. So and then now he's this cultural icon for the whole world. Someone who was anti-racist, uh, brought people together, was anti-apartheid, and he did like wonderful things. And um, so that wouldn't have happened without the cultural boycott of, uh, of South Africa, um, where people refused to go and perform there. And you know, a lot of people did this on their own without states. It was before the states started to do this. It was, um, it was, it was individuals saying, I will not perform in South Africa while I can't perform in front of a mixed audience. I will not play sport there. So these cultural boycotts do have a have a role. However, we are a bit all over the place on this one um, with regards to like let's let's say what's happening in Gaza at the moment. Now, if we aren't going to do a cultural boycott of of Israel, and if that's going to be the worst thing in the world we can possibly do, then why are we picking and choosing in this manner? I don't really understand. Um, I think one of the important things that people need to respect is consistency. And also, we've got a little, you know, I think the, we aren't perfect on this. Europe aren't perfect on this. We're seeing the rise of the far right in Europe. We're seeing people endangered. We've got LGBT people in, in Hungary, etc., who who are um, facing discrimination as well. So, yeah. you know, 
whether or not China specifically should be targeted as the worst thing in the world. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Sam, do you think we need to do something about China? I think in post-Brexit Britain, we need to be careful. And unfortunately, this is the consequence of going into Brexit is we now need to look at who, who our trading partners are going to be when we make these ethical decisions. Had we stayed in a in a larger trading block, maybe we'd have had a bit more latitude to make these decisions. Or maybe Europe would have stopped us making the decisions because obviously they controlled everything we did. So um bit above my pay grade i think we've got to think about what is best for the global population including the people of china but i definitely am not a big fan of what the chinese government are doing right now no mark hong kong wechat uyghurs tibet taiwan an economic and intellectual attack on australia building nuclear silos, hundreds of them, threatening the world at the 100th anniversary. Is, are we not in need of a new Cold War? Oof, the Cold War, that could be be, um, be quite an interesting thing. But do we really need that? I think, obviously, we need to keep an eye on, on China uh, and what it's doing. But... And there are rumours that it will 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 go over um over 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 America very soon. I mean, but the thing about the work the the Olympics, one thing I would say is, is it better to go to the Olympics, and if you can, actually protest against that. One one of the things that when I, I saw this question in the email that came out was I'm reminded of, I'm a Wolves fan of Stan Cullis. Now he he was uh, this is going back to around the war, but in um, 1938 England played Germany. Obviously Hitler was at, at his uh, beginning of his powers, uh, and of course the the whole England team did the the salute apart from Stan. Mm-hmm. Do we need people to do like what Stan did? The guys who who did the the black the power the you know the solidarity salute at um, with the black gloves. The Olympics. Do we need people to be maybe taking the knee um, during the these uh, Olympic Games? I know the Olympic Committee have said that they don't like political um, political uh, shows, but should they be doing that? You know, should screw what the Olympic Committee say? Should we be making a a, a political statement there when there are? Love to talk to you, Neil, because I, I, my, my thing on the the uh, German Olympics was that they were a massive propaganda triumph for Hitler, and uh, uh, sort of not 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 the opposite. Um, uh, but we, we're out of time. Uh, sort of, Stuart, a last word on a, a Chinese boycott. Uh, this feels like. Uh, Rather than morality driving our decisions, this is more economic and military decisions driving what we're deciding is our morality for the day. Thank you. 
Um, uh, loads of opportunity for people to comment on that. Um, we sort of, uh, we run out of time to give it the depth that it deserves. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening in. As you know, what happens now is we take a break uh, while we listen to No Pass Around. And then when you return, mercifully, Samantha's in control. Um, I sh- I'm going to try and keep my mouth shut because I've said far too much the last few times and um uh, so, so, so so don't ask me because i just put my head in the noose and uh sort of um and uh we'll see you in five minutes time for the uh, the the interactive chat with the people on the on the on the, the line thank you for listening thank you for coming back um and hopefully see you in five minutes god bless bye-bye everyone Hello, and we're back, and it's me, and I am talking. Ha ha, I have the control. That's the problem with us women. You give us an inch and we take a mile. We take over the whole show. <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. 146 comments. Brilliant. Amazing. Thank you very much. Um, during the show, Mia found a meme and sent it to me because she couldn't put it in the comments um so I, I sent it to the whatsapp group which i'm a member of because i'm a member of socialist think tank you could be a member of socialist think tank too but for the people who aren't in the whatsapp group paul's got it and he can share it for us so you can see um mia's meme that she sent me yep it's up. is it on it's now up. is it on now see you can't see he can see He's got the technology. I can't see. But yes, no one is born with hatred or intolerance. Isn't that nice? And it's so true. And if there is one thing to um, be grateful for is that our young people have these footballers to look up to, you know, Um, and they, they are looking at Marcus Rashford and looking at all of the other England football players and thinking, yeah, you're pretty cool and you've got values and these people who who spread hatred about you are dinosaurs who will die out, thankfully. <laughs> and wasn't it lovely to see um, after the horrific defacement, defacement of the Marcus Rashford mural, how it was covered in notes of support and love hearts and solidarity, because actually, there are more of us than there are of them. Um, and those attitudes are slowly dying out, but unfortunately, um, the the odd racist still thinks that their, their voice is worth hearing. So we need to all make a point of making sure that when people do make that joke that's a little bit iffy and you hear it, you just point out that it's not funny. Um, don't Don't give them a minute to think that you share their views in any way, shape or form. We need to make sure racists know that their views are abhorrent and that we won't stand for it. And that's our job as white people, actually, because um, we need to make sure that people of colour, black and brown people aren't subjected to what racists think is what everybody really thinks anyway, because it's not and it's not acceptable. Uh, Yeah, Neil's talking about the mural tonight. He's popped a link on so you can look at that and feel slightly better about society as a whole. Um, 
Neil says he doesn't like those backpacks. You know what? In in a previous life, that was my job is to teach people how to use slings and baby carriers. Um, you didn't tend to have them facing outwards on your back. That was that would not be a carry that I would recommend for anybody. Um, Tim says, question for Mark: When will the Midlands version of Socialist Think Tank begin, and how can we find it? I've already put the answer in the chat. I've already put the the link to the to the uh, Facebook. But I think one thing I want to talk about is also we don't just want it to be West Midlands. There needs to be other other regions as well. Let's props to to Jane with the South East. When are we going to have the South West? When are we going to have Liverpool and that area? And, you know, it's not. You know, we we've, we've just got a couple of us in the West Midlands, and uh, I've got a few things planned, and I'm hoping for my fellow comrade to find her feet and then we can uh, do some stuff we'll hopefully do some stuff on chain makers and uh, uh, that's because that's something a lot of people don't know about that and the thing with chain makers is and this is one of the things I'm very very pa uh, passionate about is it will not have men on it because the chain makers dispute was about women it was a women's uh, strike and so I think it should be a women's only only thing and I hope to I'm that's one of my things I wanted to do if we didn't hadn't done the local thing but there's a lot of things i've got people in the in our whatsapp will know i i mentioned a few names and you probably hear, hear me and leanne mention a few of them well hopefully you'll get to meet them because i think it'll be good to see local people not just from the west midlands that's other and other people let's see the other groups start as well talk to paul and, Lee mm. and laura about doing that let's see some more let's uh, let's let's get people talking we're actually set at the moment because um James has set the website up where whenever you get a channel, you'll get a channel on the website and then you'll be able to select that. So basically we're trying to set it up. So if anyone wants to do this, they can just do it. And, um, and that's it. I think it's not about us as like, you know, I think a lot of people when they want to, do something they want to be like the center of attention they just want to do it for them we want everyone to be out with they're out there doing this you know people who are like them people who are who are relatable for their area and stuff that's what we want people to be doing and whatever we can do to help people set those things up we will so we'll help you set up a podcast or a youtube channel or whatever and we'll promote it and we'll do all those things and because that socialism is building things together it will help everyone if we get the ideas of socialism out there so that's uh that is what's going to be happening and uh it is very exciting and there's all sorts of structural things for members as well that are coming up that i can't necessarily talk about at this stage but um soon soon there will be uh there will be more news as well so uh yeah let us know and subscribe to the youtube channel by the way do that even if you're not watching on youtube go and do that now what paul is trying to say is that he is here to help you seize the means of video production <laughs> <laughs> And 
you should absolutely take that uh, with both hands. Again, I said this in the WhatsApp group the other day. This is a social justice and equality issue. People like Boris Johnson are raised to believe that they were born to rule and they were born to be listened to. And they speak as such and they train from a very young age to speak in public. Uh, earlier on, we talked about uh, we talked about Sarah Everard and, and I gave a speech and there was lots of positive comments and reactions to that. But it's very rare actually that somebody can actually deliver something like that without having some kind of practice and some kind of training or experience. Uh, because actually when you just deliver something without any practice, it just tumbles out your mouth and you get confused and maybe you cry or something. Um, you know, so it's really important for everybody to, make their voice heard you've all got stories that are worth listening to and when you're talking about things like the chain makers and and the projects that i've been involved with the women with the women's banner group you know unless we tell our own stories they won't be told unless we record our own history it won't be recorded because it's much more convenient for the ruling class to pretend like all we've ever done is 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 work in factories and, and be a nuisance well actually we've done lots of things that deserve recognition and uh, unless we stand up for ourselves it won't be recorded and it won't be recognized um so yeah all of that stuff have you, seen, have, you, have you seen Paul Paul comment Paul Paul comment there? You go for it. You read it. it says that it's just the last one that was on. Um, they try to convince us black brothers and sisters suffer more mental illness. What can we expect when they've given no fair chance from the beginning? I hope mm. Rashford helps change that paradigm. Absolutely. Um, I think just the. I think a lot of the time it's the circumstances people find themselves in. Which is which can be uh, one of the drivers of, of mental illness. You know, I think um, a lot of mel mental illness is because people are in awful circumstances, and you're like, well, I'm not surprised that you're, <laughs> you're suffering um, because of the circumstances people find themselves in, regardless of, of skin color. It's just disproportionately um, black and ethnic minority people are, are find themselves uh, mistreated systemically i love how rashford's come back with that really powerful statement and he's not being quiet and he's not apologizing and he's not backing down because he knows that there's loads of little black and brown boys looking up to him and i'm sure that's that's a weight that he feels very um you know privileged but also it's it's it, it means he's got to think about everything that he does in the public eye um but i think he played that very well and i was very proud of him as i know um, most people are. Stuart, you want to come in there? No? <laughs> you, you're muted. <laughs> Anybody remember the... My, uh, before in the election in 2019, Momentum did... Something. I was muted. I was muted. No, I was just nodding away in absolute... I think Stuart's running Internet Explorer. I think that's his problem. <laughs> Get Alta Vista on. Oh, Alta Vista. Oh, dear. What were you saying there, Mark? Does anybody remember back before the um, 2019 election, 
um, momentum ran some. This is when I first came into Zoom. They did some Zooms about um, my Tory story, and it was basically getting people um, to put together to just put a video together. It could just be on your mobile phone about how the Tories had affected your life, and I think mm. it's such a cool thing. I mean, they had Ken Loach on it, you know. Being a, a political education sec, it's one of the things I suggested once was a, a, a large event that happens around the conference that we should get people to do political videos with the with the um, with their their mobile phones and laptops they have with them as a, as a session because it is now incredibly easy to produce these things. You just need Zoom really, which is what we're doing this on there and a few other things that that Paul's doing his stuff on it. It's very simple. We have a lot of lot of things we can use now. Speaking of Ken Loach, I can't help. I'm just going to share the meme that he, of, uh, that Laura did when he sent us that little message. Um, it's always nice to see that one um, when he's talking about the miners' gala. But it was just it's just the statement where he said, "From Ramsey Macdonald in the twenties to Kinnick, Blair, and Brown to the wretched Starmer today." They have consciously <laughs> delivered working people bound and gagged to those who exploit them. I just think, you know, what a... Imagine if Ken Loach said that about you. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, like it's Ken Loach. I'm definitely <laughs> off the cool list, aren't you? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I had to, had to read that out the other day and I was trying to do it, do it justice. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just unfortunately the leadership. I mean, um, yeah, I can say that. I can say this. I can say this. Um, you know, we're obviously looking at a boundary review across the whole of the country, um, and constituency secretaries and chairs in the north in County Durham have been have been sent what the Labour Party is suggesting might be our boundaries, and it and it looks like a retreat. It looks like we're giving up on on County Durham. It looks like, and it it doesn't give it doesn't give me hope certainly because the the way they've reorganised it makes it look like the place that I live will be Tory forever. So I very much hope that's not the favoured version that the Boundary Commission accept. But it doesn't seem to be a version that actually favours the Labour Party very much. So they might. Um, yeah, I've just seen, it's a, hard I've times. Just seen a new poll that's come out, which is a, um, which doesn't favour the Labour Party very much either. And it's um, the past. It's over the past few days, and it's uh, Conservatives forty three percent, Labour thirty two percent, Lib Dem nine percent, Green six percent. That's salvation, and that's the one that normally favours the Labour Party. It's hard, it's hard. Um, Mia's got another cracking point. She says that people treat mental health issues as a psychiatric, pro psychiatric problem, suggesting there is something wrong with the person instead of recognising that mental health issues are a result of things that happen to them. A lot of people convinced me I was mentally unstable because of how I reacted to the systematic oppression and discrimination I was on the receiving end of. Um, now, we may well uh, all have our own uh, personal experiences, probably not not the same or not not as much as as Mia's um, Mia's experiences, but 
it's all about how we how we treat mental illness and and disability as well you know is it is it a is it a fault with the person or is it a fault with the environment that the person was in um or a mixture of both and it goes back to that stuff we were talking about earlier john about what what do you change in society if you want to change outcomes do do we do we move everyone into something like the metro centre so they can live in a, in a utopian capitalist paradise, <laughs> or, or do we look at you know providing them food and shelter and and hippie ideas like that? Stuart was saying earlier. Um, Lilith says uh, black people were often diagnosed with schizophrenia in the fifties and sixties, set, set to seventies, due to their beliefs and cultural mannerisms, cultural norms. Um, and there was an, there was another thing about uh, black black youths being unfairly placed in sort of special schools, wasn't it? Educational yeah. subnormality. Um, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Right. Um, NHS bill. What do we think about the NHS bill that will have its second reading of Parliament tomorrow? Now, correct me if I am wrong. This is the bill that moves towards integrated care partnerships rather than what we've got at the moment. Yes, Paul? I'm not hugely aware of what's going on, but um, I think Jeremy Corbyn, when he was on the show the other day, was basically saying this is what he was on about when remember when they said that uh, it was russian spies had leaked these documents and they like basically remember when like he, he present, presented those nhs documents and they said like basically the nhs is for sale and um there will be american healthcare providers like you know provide because i think people didn't understand how the nhs was going to be privatized it's basically they give them to people who were going to take money out of it whilst also accepting public money so public money will still fund it but you'll get a poorer service because those places will take the money out and take profit out and so on that's the kind of privatization but then they made the story about well how come jeremy corbyn managed to see these leaked documents we think he's in cahoots with the russians when actually it was just on a reddit thread it was like this thing that was just like really readily available on the internet and he just brought it up and then they said no no he's after the it's because of the russians he's in cahoots with them even though they have like all these Russian oligarchs that are massive donors to the Tory party and, and Russia's probably now like taxation wise, one of the most capitalist countries in the world. Um, so yeah, um, he said the other day that he's got an American healthcare provider working in his constituency now and he's seeing the, seeing what's happening over time. And, and um, so if this is related to that or even worse, it's already happening, you know, that privatisation by stealth is has been happening for years and it's just got rocket boosters under. It's just like, you know, progressive progressive leaders of of Western countries have made things more and more um for the rich. So that's what we'll see. Mark, do you wanna come in on this? You are muted. Hoping I wouldn't do that, but sorry. Um, I just posted because they talked about it on Crispin's show, the uh, uh, not the Andrew Marr show a couple of weeks ago, and they, 
they've actually cut it out on um, and put it on their YouTube and so I pop, pop the link in in the ch in the chat in on on uh, Facebook um, but we've got to remember that um, that that the GPs have always been private things that they have a contract with the uh, local health authority to provide health care and, and they've always been contracted that way but there's a lot of interesting things that are happening I don't know if it's happening in your area now you can't get uh, painkillers or or like I had um, conjunctivitis you can't you have to buy the uh, the medicine from that from the chemist and also recently um, if you, you also ha can't have uh, your ear syringed unless you have a clinical need and that's a hundred pounds people do not realize how good our NHS was and I, I've heard people say that we should always get a um, a prepaid invoice whenever we check whenever we have any medical care because it's quite amazing as a diabetic I, I've worked out what mine are my I've got a Libra thing which tells me my blood sugar and they're 50 quid a time it's not cheap and when I hear the stories of like my friend Chandler in America who sadly died because he lost his job and rested and had to and, and stopped taking insulin I think these stories need to be told Do you want to come in, Stuart? Will the internet let me? It sounds sounds like it's working. Sounds like it's working. Go go go. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's staggering. I mean, there was talk of changing patent laws regarding drugs, which would open drugs that were already costing the NHS several thousand pounds a dose to be price matched to the American system, which was seven thousand pounds a dose you know and it doesn't take many people on that one drug for that to be a huge cost on the nhs things like that you know just just changing our our pricing systems regarding painkillers and how we purchase them for for hospital use will be devastating for the nhs mm -hmm. john do you want to say anything on this well, um, I just echo what Mark says about diabetes. As you know, I'm Barbara's diabetic, my wife, and uh, I'm continually astounded that her her um, care continues to be funded by the state. And uh, sort of when you do the cal calculations of what it would cost, it would be crippling. Um, sort of, um, and there's all these things out there about um, the the, the uh, um, to, to talk about what um, Stuart's been saying, that um, the cost of paracetamols to the NHS, whereas what you can buy, we can buy them in the supermarket. And the, the NHS has, is becoming seen as a cash cow for uh, predators. And, and, and that's going to, to, to continue. And it is deeply, deeply concerning. And, and I, you just have to... It goes back to what we were saying. We have a society where illness is seen as a business opportunity. And, um, and, 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 and what kind of a world are we countenancing here? Where, where um, that guy in America says that he has a duty to charge as much as he can get for his uh, medicines. 
a duty, a capitalist duty to do so. Um, a, a very, we move into a very worrying future, Sam. Go on, Mark. Don't you think it just reminds, I'm reminded of um, what um, Bevin said, that illness is not something, you know, not a, a luxury to be, uh, oh, I can't remember the quote, but that, that quote from Bevin, but there's something even worse. I, I remember reading something about what Obama said once, that he wouldn't give Medicare for, for all because of the loss of jobs in America, which I thought was quite quite shocking that it would cause a problem with employment but you know we have private health care over here doing the same things it, it just doesn't it, to me a human right is health care but a human responsibility is also I think has to be that you have to contribute towards society which is something completely different but I do think that we have to talk with rights with responsibility Absolutely. Uh, one of the ways that I see um, healthcare being privatised, like right now, is just through the NHS either refusing to diagnose or treat certain conditions or providing such a long wait that is inhumane and families will do anything to try and, and speed things up. So perfect example is unfortunately my own children you know need occupational therapy which is not available on the NHS and uh, I'm not able to pay for so I just have to wait until the point where I can push the local authority to pay for this private occupational therapy that my children need and um, you know I've waited five years so far you know if it was possible for me to pay for that I would have paid for it of course I would you know we're talking about occupational therapy that my child needs to be able to toilet independently you know um and it's the same about sensory processing issues it's the same with diagnoses for autism and ADHD especially in adulthood it's very difficult to find a GP who will um <laughs> forward you for for a diagnosis for those things um and that's really worrying there are actually NHS trusts at the moment that that don't diagnose autistic spectrum conditions um, <laughs> and it's literally down to uh, they, they don't diagnose them by the way because there's no treatment for them so the argument is that if we can't treat you for it what's the point in diagnosing it get your head around that one so um, Neil says you can't get medicines for asthma on the NHS either I mean, I would chase that because you definitely should be able to. Um, I think oh, oh, what Jane Strange, good um, an important link there. Um, so, if, uh, by, whereby you can lobby your MP on the bill. Absolutely, uh, I had a I had a frustrating thing to do where I went to write to my MP. It was about the twenty pound uh, uplift uh, to universal credit and about. 
how that uplift should be um, mirrored in legacy benefits as well. Um, and I did I did say, you know, I do know that you voted against this previously, but I'm hoping that you, and I know that you haven't signed the early day motion about legacy benefits, but maybe you've had a chance to change your mind. <laughs> That's maybe an, op an optimist there. Um, speaking of Tories changing their minds, um, and Tories breaking the whip. There was an interesting one today, wasn't there, on the aid uh, there. So it said in the manifesto that they would give like 0.7 in aid and they've gone down to 0.5 or something like that. And I think uh, this is a manifesto commitment that they've honoured, but it's it's uh, oh. the Cam Cameron was against the idea because... It kind of reduces your standing in the world, and from his People point die. of view, don't know. The way it's dished out needs to be looked at, and the way the way it reaches the people needs to be looked at. A lot of the time, it's used as an international bargaining chip to say, "Oh well, we've given you this international aid, therefore give us access to your resources, etc." Like it is that kind of thing. It is a bit of a tit for tat thing, and I don't think people realise that. So there's this jingoistic thing where um, Boris Johnson's saying, oh, no, we shouldn't be giving money to other countries, whereas actually, actually, it's not as altruistic as it looks when they do it. So David Cameron's like, look, you're idiots. You're going to lose out on money for doing this. And he talked about losing international standing. What he meant was, like, uh, you're going to lose a lot of um, potential Leverage. markets. Yeah, leverage markets and things like that. Whereas Boris Johnson's just like he's just like even even to his own side, he's a bumbling idiot who, even for a big old raging capitalist who wants to exploit people, he's not even very good at doing that. He's just uh, he's he's just good at very short term kind of stupid being an idiot things, and we've we've elected a clown, haven't we? Can't even do what his party's meant to do. I mean, it also costs jobs in the UK because yeah. we, we, we don't just send out blank checks, you know, to, to here's X number of million, go spend it on what, what you need. What we do is here's 400 million pounds in aid for medicine that you, you must purchase from these British companies, hmm. you know? So when we support for those jobs. I mean, it makes no sense in terms of honesty and decency and helping people in, in terms of morals. It makes no sense in terms of economics, as Stuart has, has pointed out. But it's also a disaster in terms of international um, uh, relations because the, the, the countries which actually we deal with say, well, where are we going to get this money from? China. And, and, and they just do deals with China, um, which, by the way, is much worse for them because the Chinese, my God, they um, extract a cost for helping. And they'll build your roads and all kinds of things. But the, <laughs> there's a price to pay when they've, to China when they've done that. So in terms of international relationships, it's a disaster as well. It's just the most stupid international thing you could possibly do and being generous uh, with our international aid 
just made so much sense on so many levels. And it's typical of, of these blanket Tories that they just say, oh, we can't afford it. Um, so we want to spend the money on uh, track and trace. And um, <laughs> that, that's it. Yes, we found a new friend that we need to give contract to, so we'd rather give that money to them. <laughs> Speaking of track and trace, there's no way it can work. No way. I went to a rally in London and I wasn't pinged. And then I went to Wimbledon and I sat there with 15,000 people and I wasn't pinged. There's no way that no one in all, all that area and all the trains and all this stuff hasn't tested positive for COVID at some point. So track and trace clearly isn't working. I'm hearing like other people are getting pinged all the time. And I was like prepared for it. I'm double vaccinated and like, you know, I'm careful. I wear a mask for other people's benefits and so on. But um, yeah, there's no way track and trace works. When you think about it though, uh, didn't didn't Google and Apple do some kind of app where, you know, it, if you come into contact with it, it somehow it remembers who you've come into contact with. So if if it if that had been used, they could send messages anonymously to all the phones that they've been they come into contact with. That's something that Google and Apple did on their on their smartphones. So you'd all be given a number and it would literally just collect those numbers not like you like i've come into contact with paul but i've come but one two three has come into contact with two three four so if two three four has it a button's pressed on that that thing and it then sends out a message to all the numbers uh, of the people they've come in contact with why did we need to spend that money There's, there was no reason we could have used the apple and google things that were free for us to use Tidal Harden needed some money. Yeah. But this was news to me as well. Like, exactly what you're saying. In order to make it work for an app with, like, ethics and the rules, uh, they don't know if you've been pinged. There's no, like, central database of all of the people who have been pinged. Therefore, the app, when it tells you to isolate, isn't legally binding. They can't prove it. And all this time... You know, again, I just feel like it's us poor people like follow the rules and rich people do whatever they like <laughs> all the time. Everybody around me has been like, oh, no, my phone's beeped. Therefore, I legally have to stay in the house for 10 days. And I feel like it's been an open secret among people in the media that actually you don't really have to do it because they can't enforce it unless you've actually been phoned up by a contact tracer so they know who you are. Oh, That's my the point, God. Sam, about that, all these photographs about um, people at, um, at Wimbledon. And, and, and sort of, how did Tom Cruise get to Wimbledon to, to, to go and see Wimbledon? How, what, what, what? And then the um, World Cup rules final. Have Sorry, been the Cup. Sorry? You, he then he went across Wembley, London to, do, to go to Wembley for the European I mean, How Cup did he final. get into the country? To, to 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 watch it and then all those pictures of um philip schofield and holly willoughby sort of sat six feet apart in the studio sort of um uh sort of showboating about how socially distanced they are and sat next to each other without masks and and dr hillary whatever he is sort of not wearing a mask having told people that morning that they ought to be wearing masks and and it's blatant and they don't give a shit. 
and sort of, and, and you're absolutely right. So, poor people like you and me are doing the decent thing. What bloody idiots we are! And and and, and sort of on the one hand, we got all the wealthy people doing as they damn well please, and then we've got all the nutcases doing as they damn well please at the other side of things. And 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 oh, we just plod on doing the decent thing, paying our taxes. To see that when I went to Wimbledon, there's like we were sitting around in a stadium. We're all sat right next to each other, no gaps or anything like that. You're all just sitting there next to each other. And then at the end, they come out and in, they interview the winner of the match. And they come out, and then the person who comes out and interviews the winner of the match, they have this massive long microphone that's on this stalk, and they're like stood ten feet away interviewing them. And you sat there looking, you're like. Right, and then they wander off together, and then they like go really close to each other afterwards, and it's just, it's it's like everything's for show, and it's like mm. it's the same as like in the in the Euro finals when they're sitting there in the studio and they're all like socially distanced from one another, and they're all like placed in this thing and sat in their certain area, and then like you know all the fans are doing that, and then you see photos of them later jumping around with the fans, and it's like they're only doing it. It's all. For sure. And I feel like that might have always been the case. You know, people never really took this seriously at the top, which is why Boris Johnson was shaking hands with people and, and what have you. Neil Terry's been a comic genius in the uh, comments mind. He's When we're talking about pinging and tracking and tracing and the app and that, he's saying, is it just me that's got an image of a few cans with loads of string and they're all tangled up and there's some poor sod trying desperately to undo the tangles? Uh, and he says, in terms of... Uh, Tom Cruise, that was his mission achievable to go to both <laughs> with <laughs> They did it with the Danish royal family as well. They they, they shipped them across and, and let them sit in the royal box without doing any quarantine because, again, the rules are for us and not for them. Uh, did you see that Chris meme about yes. Tom Cruise, by the way? Sorry, did the one where, you yeah. know, the little the little car that brings on the ball. There's like a picture, the little car that brings on the ball, and then there's another picture of Tom Cruise in a car, like, hey, and that's how we got across <laughs> London. <laughs> that explains it. Um, yeah, Chris says tonight it looks like Sunderland General Hospital has gone into full lockdown, uh, followed by the decision by other NHS RAND centres such as Sedgefield Rehab. I don't, again, do you not all feel like? like you're, you're living in a parallel world. Like, I feel like I know loads more people right now who have COVID than I have at any point during the pandemic. And we are relaxing our rules and people are gonna be having freedom parties and snogging each other and doing all kinds of acts. And <laughs> I am <laughs> very confused between what I am seeing with my eyes and what I am hearing as the uh, state-sanctioned narrative about how safe we are. <laughs> I mean, it's not the it's not the only one in uh, in Wolverhampton. New Cross Hospital has, has stopped uh, stopped visitors. Got people going in to see people in hospital. My father's currently in another hospital in the West Midlands, and we're allowed to send one person a day in for three quarters of an hour to sit with him. And you just wonder how much that is going to change. Let's remember today as well, we've had 50 people die. That's 50, people, 50 mothers, fathers, mm. sons and daughters who have needlessly in some ways died. You know, 
and, and are the Tories now bringing in herd immunity to save the rentier class? Yes, is your answer there? Um, they're 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 risking it, they're, and 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 uh, overtly risking it. They're hoping that um, immunisation, vaccination, will mean that people can get it without overwhelming the NHS. And what caused it last, what caused the, the lockdowns previously was not a damn about what happens to ordinary people, whether they die or not. What caused it was that they could not do with the NHS being overwhelmed. And now they're running the risk. They're taking a risk with our lives and our NHS that they'll be able to get away with it because of vaccination, that they'll be able to take the lid off um, and people will get it, and there'll be mainly young people now who are getting it, and most of them will recover, and it won't be all that bad, and the NHS won't be overwhelmed, and the, the death figures uh, won't go through the roof. That's they're, they're, they're gambling uh, see, with our lives. See, I think I think a lot of the new cases, though, I think it's schools, and I think it's always been in schools, but they weren't testing people. It's asymptomatic kids in schools who are now testing positive for it because that's the way diseases travel best in our country by having the schools open. But they don't want to admit that because then that would be an admission that keeping the schools open caused the previous ones. What you can see now from the figures, I've got them on my phone here, the deaths just aren't going up in the same way as they, they did before, which is which is really good. It's really positive. I don't want everyone to be absolutely terrified out there. I think what they're trying to do at the moment is that I think they're trying to cover up the idea that schools were the driver of the deaths before because it may have been that like not lots of children were getting this and what have you but they were they were getting it and they were giving it to other people they were giving it to their nanas and granddads and then then they died and this is this this is something that I think we've said all the way through. We've we've been on on air throughout the entire pandemic, nearly, and we've said this all the time. Schools are driving infections, and they didn't want to admit that because they needed childcare so people could go to work. Just interrupting everybody and changing it, Jackie Nash, you missed an incredibly first, incredible first half. These people were on fire in the first hour today, um, uh, particularly on Sarah Everard. Um, you can pick it all up on the podcast afterwards. Um, uh, sort of Paul will tell you how to, about what is available. But my golly, um, sort of, I would recommend you watching the first half of this show. They were spot on. Go on then, Paul. Do you want to give us a rundown of everywhere you can find You're us? better at it than me. You do it. <laughs> Of course, we are on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, and on your favourite podcast app. All you have to do is search Socialist Think Tank. There is literally tons of content on there. In fact, far too much content. Paul, you need to slow down. You are a content-making machine. Um, and of course, we were here on Tuesdays at nine for Political Unmuted. And there's also Socialist Night Live on Saturday. Is it the nine as well? Yep. I'm not on that one, so. <laughs> it will um, be at one point. We just need to give you a rest every now and then. 
absolutely you don't want to wear me out and also uh, you can become a member of socialist think tank being a member of socialist think tank is free you can pay money if you want to but it does not give you any extra benefits except that warm fuzzy feeling in your stomach of knowing that you are helping to create a better world where socialist ideas are available to everyone to be heard in, in voices that they understand, in words they understand, and accents that are the same as normal people that are around them every single day. <laughs> uh, so please do support Socialist Think Tank. If you are finding us for the first time and you are not subscribed on whatever platform you are looking at, please click subscribe or like or follow. That will make Paul very happy because he's following those stats really closely right now. Um, I need to stage an intervention at some point <laughs> and tell him it's not about numbers. Quantity, quality over quantity is the name of the game with followers. <laughs> but we do have really, really good followers and we really appreciate all the people who are in the comments who come back week after week after week. Speaking of coming back week after week after week, if anybody wants to be on the show, you too could make the leap, just like Mark has today. You could be here and, and talk to us about these things. It's not that scary because actually you just talk to yourself and you understand cupboard like me. Um, <laughs> and um, we will look after you. Um, and you're perfectly welcome to come on. I will see you tomorrow, Chris. I've got a full council meeting tomorrow. This will be interesting because the Liberal Democrats have tabled a motion calling for the government to keep the £20 universal credit uplift. So that will be interesting to see how all of the people across the council vote on that one. I think it's quite not surprising to hear that I will probably be voting for that. I have to say probably, by the way, because against the rules for me to go into a council meeting and already decide what I'm going to vote for. That's right, isn't it, John? I don't think so. I think, <laughs> I thought that, you were... I think that it's uh, 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 um, inter interesting, um, for just for ordinary council meetings, um, you, you go in predetermined um, to ordinary council meetings because you have a group decision. I think it's only things like planning meetings okay. um, and, and things like that where you, you can be predisposed. But oh no, Chris says it's been taken off. What, what games are they playing? What games are they playing? Oh, I'm angry about that. Anyway. Well, they're in there like Chris won't like this, but like I'm not saying he's part of the coalition, but they are in a coalition at the top of that organization. Maybe mm. all the people who voted for it didn't feel that it was that, but they will certainly it, be it, behaving as, as a coalition. I have to um, say, if I was a conservative, I would have been upset that they put that motion in because it's already like splitting their group. That's what I thought, but yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. I'm sad about that. Oh, well, like I said, I sent an email to the MP today about it. What more can lowly people like me do? Hey. You'll be putting a motion in. Too late now. Too late. Come on. Every meeting. So, Chucking at every meeting. Is this is this jiggery pokery then? Do you think the um is that a thing? Is is that a thing? Do, do you think there's some kind of strategy going on? There's some yeah. kind of 
some people are trying to assert their dominance within the maybe, maybe well it, it could be innocent couldn't it it could be like well you know our overlords don't like what we've done so therefore we'll withdraw the motion or it could be like we'll put in this motion so they don't and then we'll withdraw it later Chris says it's never too late for a motion according to the standard and orders it is <laughs> Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, Chris, maybe one in for next. The meeting. It's yeah, too late yeah. for a question now, even. Ah, oh, frustrating. Anyway, it is time it, for. Who, oh, who, who, was it? Um, was it Mark Wilkes who was putting that in? What did I yes. see that? It was Mark Wilkes. Um, it's strange, is that because that would have been, um, that would have been decided. As, as a group and and uh, is it that they've all am i right in thinking sam that they've already made the decision and cancelled the 20 pounds that that decision has been made the the government is saying it's going ahead and there's not going to not planned to have a vote on it no i mean sort of it may just be um that that um uh, it's been withdrawn because there's no point in um in in lobbying now that the decision has been taken it may just be that it may be as innocent as that mm -hmm. i'd love to talk to mark wilkes about it because he yes. um uh, mm -hmm. sort of um uh, i can't imagine um them silencing mark wilkes mm. lilith says protest from the public gallery i hope to see some protesters there tomorrow because we are submitting a motion about the Medemsley slash Hassock Field Detention Centre um, and asking council to um, not support that or to write something. I don't know. <laughs> I have read the motion. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully the Nota Hassock Field people are going to be there. So that will be uh, nice to see them. You can always watch them like on, our, uh, on our one of our past shows as well. We did yes. a Nota Hassock Field thing and very you interesting what's going on there. Socialist think tank and Hassock Field and it'll pop right up. That's the joy of the joy of search engines. And then the guy... Chris, Chris Hood is saying it's never too late for a motion. That's how it is. And so, so he comes off that and he says, but never too late to speak. Unfortunately, uh, Chris, <laughs> yes, for me, it is. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's sort of sad but true. Today. Are you enjoying all of your free time, John? So that today I cleared out the bedroom cupboard, and um, it was the bedroom cupboard in which all the family, um, you know, how flat everybody, and whenever anybody dies, you end up with this box full of their stuff, you know. And and so I've spent, I've spent the day going through all these boxes. With all these uh, sort of um, uh, death certificates and, and and various little bits of papers and uh, uh, and my father-in-law's trophies that he won for darts and things like that, just going through all these. So I've had a, an absolutely lovely time. Um, sort of, um, however, not quite as uh, socially fulfilling as um, sort of talking about things like uh, the twenty-pound uplift and uh Hassett field um uh, detention center so there's a, that i'll have to leave that to you to do the decent things <laughs> i will try my best 
Oh, Jane has put the No to Hassock Field link in the Facebook um, chat. Thank you very much, Jane. That's very helpful. She's a good one. Yeah, uh, we could we could go on forever, and and Paul's popped a really good question in the chat, so please do reply to it if you're on Facebook and give him your opinions. But we do have to go. Um, it is nearly eleven o'clock, and I still need to go and lock my chickens up. So, <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Don't forget to count them first. I will count the chickens. And thank you very much, Mark. It was a fantastic debut. Well yeah, done. Thank you, Mark. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> right. we'll keep the red flag flying here.